0: We are going beyond the whistle on the role of the basketball strength and conditioning coach during a crisis and beyond with Matt Johnson of Butler University. You are listening to Beyond the Whistle, the podcast that takes basketball coaches beyond the X's and O's to help you grow your network. Make a plan for your career and maximize your influence. Beyond the Whistle is brought to you by McCant Sports, a career management and consulting firm for college basketball coaches. Learn more at mccantsports.com. Welcome to Beyond the Whistle. I'm your host, Odell McCants, and thank you for listening. My guest today is Matthew Johnson, strength and conditioning coach for Butler University men's basketball. Matt, welcome to Beyond the Whistle.
1: Odell, thanks for having me on.
0: So Matt, as we're recording this, it's Wednesday, April 29th. We still find ourselves in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, when I was playing ball, I tried to run and hide from you strength coaches. So I'm very curious what the work of a strength and conditioning coach looks like during this time.
1: Yeah, you know, it's... uh... I forget what day we're on, but it feels like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Every day feels uh, feels the same. But uh, my responsibility right now with our players is remote. Um, you know, after the season unfortunately got cut short, uh, we gave them about two weeks of just rest and recovery, and it was a very emotional time. Um, obviously, just the, the sudden end, like I said, was was difficult for them to cope with. Um, but, you know, we're utilizing a lot of great platforms, um, Instagram being one. Uh, we've created a uh, a free Insta- Instagram private account and w- we have a great content stream where we're posting recipes, workouts, different uh, Monday motivational uh, talks. And so that is uh, that's been really valuable for our players during this time.
0: That is a great way to link social media to learning and And staying connected. I mean, we know that this generation—it's not just this generation; it's all of us. (laughs) You know, uh, (laughs) like to use those types of platforms. That's a very interesting concept.
1: Yeah, you know, that's the the one thing I've found is um, that is the medium where all these players spend a lot of their time. Um, Twitter, Instagram—it's very much a social media-driven society, and that's what they know. Uh, That's what they grow up grow up in. Um, so I've always tried to use that as an advantage, just in terms of reaching players. And it's just a, a great way to stay connected. And I think that's the, the biggest thing we're trying to do right now is, um, it's, uh, obviously the, the, it's a different time, right? So we have to approach things differently. And some of our athletes, like I have some athletes that have full gyms in their house. Um, and then I have some athletes that don't have anything. And so, it's it's um it's challenging, right? But um, we have to find the gray area, and we have to find a solution to meet their needs. Um, and so for for me, it's it's just a great medium to you know communicate and stay connected. And um, you know, I find myself doing this too. Odell is just um, you know, coaching their lifestyle right now. I think it's a great opportunity to really emphasize the importance of sleep. Consistent sleep, and you know, during the season with the travel and the practices and the games, and you know, you're kind of all over the place in terms of your sleep pattern. Where now it's like you're in quarantine. Uh, there's no there's there's no distractions in terms of holding a consistent sleep uh, pattern. Uh, nutritionally, you know, really spending some time in the kitchen and and helping out mom and dad and getting in there and, and chopping up the veggies and making great recipes and, and getting there, get, getting in that hands-on experience. And, um, you know, just um, like I said, trying to coach their lifestyle, because I've always believed that if you're, if you're living better, you're going to play better.
0: Yeah. You know, Matt, you all were uh, having a great season. I mean, you finished uh, 22 and nine, um, I think came out the blocks and like exceeded at least the public's expectations can you take us to that moment when you all learned that you know there would be no big east tournament no obviously no ncaa tournament and and how did you organize yourselves as a program
1: yeah you know um you know for for me uh, personally um i everything i do is is for the players and it's always been about the players and um you know my philosophy has always been athlete centered. Uh, people centered and it, it hurt me because i i knew they were hurting um you know so we have an unbelievable leader here in coach jordan our head coach um, he did a great job of just rallying the, the the troops and and um you know getting everybody together and just you know uh you know that next play mentality and i and i think that really helped us just cope with it Um, and, 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 and that's the staff and that's the players included. And, and he was a a huge, um, you know, reason for us just basically moving on. And, and, um, sometimes, you know, you have to, um, you know, there's some things outside your control and you can't control everything and, and there's going to be adversity, um, you know, put into your life and all we can do is, is, is grow and adapt to it. Right. And so I think... Our whole mindset as a program has been treating this as a opportunity, not a setback. And, you know, a a lot of times, um, you know, a breakdown, right, which really is what the virus caused, right, a breakdown in our our season, a breakdown in the economy and, and just how we live and things like that, well, breakdowns create breakthroughs. Right, and so just the 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 level of development, and I think the relationships, like I was just um you know touching on that, are being formed, is is really going to help us moving forward.
0: And how have you seen the players' uh, emotions and and mindsets evolve through this time? Since we're looking at, I guess, a month and a month and a half to a month and a half now.
1: Yeah, you know what's um what's always been amazing to me is uh, the mindset of an elite athlete. And, um, I mean, I've, I've been in the training room when an athlete tore their ACL and I remember just, you know, I was crying. <laughs> I yeah. was, I was, I was emotional and just seeing athletes, uh, receive that news and just not flinching and just being strong and, and being able to, um, you know, really cope with that, you know, horrible news. And and I, and I think that's one thing that's always impressed me just working with uh, high level athletes is just that mindset that they possess. And so uh, what I'm getting at here is I, I think they, you know, just like that example with the ACL I shared, I think they um, treated it the same way, you know, um, they just, you know, picked themselves up, you know, held their head high and just got over it. And I, I think, overall, like athletes, just, they're very resilient, right? And they're, you know, very resilient in body, but they're all also very resilient in mind.
0: And, you know, I think we're so quick to uh, judge or criticize millennials or whatever you want to call this generation. Now, you know, I I joked about how i i tried to stay out of the weight room and i was running from guys like you coaches like you I, I regret that now but so much has changed i mean they have access to so much information and you mentioned you know some of your uh athletes have their own gyms and it's it's so common for you know even grade school kids to have personal trainers regardless of what <laughs> your thoughts or opinions are of that um it have have you seen that that help that help with this uh mindset as well kind of the um just having more information and more engaged
1: yeah you know i, I think there you know there's some there's some great uh you know coaches out there with some great programs and and i'm not just you know speaking on strength and conditioning coaches but basketball coaches sport coaches and so i think the uh, level of development has um, leveled up or or increased over the years um, because coaches are studying more, and and I think really athletes are studying more too. Um, you know, they're re- researching the behaviors of um, other athletes, right? What what do uh, great athletes do? And and that's the the been the fun part about you know watching the episode of the uh last dance and our players tuning in and watching that and seeing Michael Scotty Pippen Dennis Rodman in the in the weight room doing a lot of similar exercises that they do with me you know and um you know so i think that's one thing that stands out to me is that um you know they they do a lot of um self research themselves in terms of just hey you know what else are are other players doing uh maybe it's a competitive uh edge that they're trying to gain right and it's like hey um you know what exercises are they doing what what um you know what equipment are they training with uh what are they eating you know what technology are they using to gain that edge
0: and how does that impact how you how you direct towards them i mean Again, I hate to sound generational here mm-hmm. or, or yeah. go, part too much on it, but we tended to do things, uh, because coach said so, mm-hmm. uh, there was mm-hmm. no Google, you know, yeah, there were no documentaries, you know, to see. Um, but do you find that athletes are, and not questioning in a bad, in a negative way, but just wanting to go deeper in what you're directing?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think, um, you know, this is a a really good point. And it's one thing that I've learned over the years is there's different archetypes, right? And athletes are architected differently, right? And and built differently. Um, They have different minds. They have a different thought process. They have a different belief system. And, um, you know, one thing that I've uh, really figured out in my coaching journey is uh, the better you can Communicate it. The better you can sell it, the the higher of the, the the likelihood of them understanding it and buying into it. Right? I think that's where buying comes in. Like, you know, how well can you sell it? Right? And so that salesmanship is really key to coaching for me. Um, where there's some athletes that you know, I sit them down. It's like, hey, this is the system. This is what we do. And then they're, yes, sir, all on board. Right. Where there's some athletes that, to your point, you know, maybe they, um, you know, were very fortunate growing up and they had a strength conditioning coach when they were 15, 16 years old. They were you know, doing some type of performance program as a, a, a youngster. Right. So they have a training age and they have a, a background and consequently an understanding of other things that they could do. And so for, uh, for that individual, uh, obviously me just saying, hey, this is how we do it, it, it might not hit home. It might not click for that person. So I have to show more results. I have to show, hey, this is you know, the system and, and this is what it's done for this laundry list of players. All these players have done this system and, and these are the results and this is the level of improvement that they achieve." So, Matt,
0: you mentioned your career journey. You you've risen from coaching in high school, where you uh, worked with who was my high school coach, Stu Vetter. And I hope my listeners aren't getting tired of you. You're my you're my third uh, episode in a row here with a Coach Vetter uh, coaching tree family member, but it's how we connected, uh, but you've risen from high school to George Washington university in the Atlantic 10 to now a big East and top 20, uh, program, because I do know that there are many in the beyond the whistle audience who aspire to the same career pathway. Walk me through what your career journey has been.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, it it started with three internships, (laughs) that were unpaid, but they were full-time position. I was doing a lot of things and I I was doing a lot of, you know, side jobs, right, to service my passion, which was strength and conditioning. And, you know, at the time, and, and really what strength conditioning is, is is so much of an apprenticeship where, you know, you you learn from master coaches and you just learn from just being in the weight room and just look, listening and feeling, you know, what they do. And just like a plumber or a carpenter or a mechanic, right? You just kind of just look over the guy's shoulder, right? And you learn that way. So those internships, you know, obviously, like I said, they, they didn't possess a, a hefty paycheck, but uh, for me, it was just, you know, unbelievable, um, knowledge building and just experience building as a, as a young up and coming strength conditioning coach. And, and, um, we all need an opportunity. And, you know, for me, it was, it was um, a 10-month, uh, $8,000 position. And um, <laughs> I know that uh, some listeners will, will hear that and just be like, whoa. And my point is exactly, you know, and sometimes that's what it takes to just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's more of the opportunity and the responsibility that comes along with something just to give you a shot so you can prove yourself. And so I did that, and um, you know it's funny just to you know share a quick story with uh, Coach Vetter. You know I was I was up living in Massachusetts at the time um, in this ten month eight thousand dollar position, and I was going to be relocating to Maryland. And um, I knew I was, and um, where I was in in life, it was it was drawing me to that area. And uh, so I was looking for work, and so I heard from somebody I was working with, hey. Uh, The strength conditioning coach for Montrose Christian just left, I think, went to another uh, high school. And, you know, I think that position might be open. I don't know what it pays, but I I know they have great players and their coach is absolutely legendary.
0: And would that have been Uh, Allen Stein? uh, Yes, yes. Who who had left
1: coach better? Yes. That's Allen. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, so what I did, just like anybody would. You know, reach out, and and um, I could not find an email for Coach Vetter's, but I found I found the address for Montrose Christian, and uh, I I wrote a letter to Coach Vetter and just basically talking about my philosophy, my system, and what I could do for his players. And uh, geez, probably six weeks went by, I didn't hear a thing, nothing, radio silence, and all of a sudden, uh, one day I'm driving home from work. And my phone rings, and it was a three hundred one number. And I was, you know, oh geez, okay. And I pick up, and it's Coach Better, Matt. This is Coach Better uh, from Mancho's Christian. Thanks, thanks for your letter. Um, hey, I, I'm I'm I, I'm happy you're interested in our program. Uh, we have a, a group of players coming in tomorrow um, at three p.m. I want you to come by and train them. Well, mind you, I'm I'm up in. Massachusetts, right? <laughs> and I think it was like six six p.m., six thirty around dinner time, right? So I said, you know, yes, sir, coach, I'll be there. Hang up the phone. I, I pull in my driveway, hustle into my place. I pack a quick bag, throw some training equipment in, in my trunk—hurdles, bands, whole nine yards. I get in my car and I drive, and I I land at the Hilton on Rockville Pike there, and I stay overnight. I woke up the next morning. I, uh, I, you know, make sure I had a nice uh, breakfast at the Continental uh, Breakfast there at the Hilton. Got myself ready. I had a workout prepared, reviewed all my notes. This is what I'm going to do. I arrive. It's all these elite players, you know, Justin Anderson, Michael Carrera, you know, Tyler Hubbard. All these all these players and, and um and Justin Anderson, UVA and yes, Dallas Mavericks, yes, um, yes.
0: I, I don't know where I don't remember offhand where it just played now. And Carrera was at uh with South
1: Carolina. He was at South Carolina, y- yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so I uh I worked those guys out and coach watched the whole time and and you know how he stands there with his arms crossed and everything, and he just observed. And I don't think he said a thing. And so I I gave him my best. I gave everything I had. I wanted to make sure that those guys felt the workout. Those players felt the workout. And, uh, you know, I, I remember this clear as day, the workout was over and, you know, there was a silence and, and, uh, the guys were sitting there and, and I was standing there and coach was standing there and he said, guys, meet your new strength and conditioning coach. And, I, and I, I was like, oh, whoa, geez. And uh, he said, that was <laughs> that was that was a pro workout. Right. And um, that's how I got the job. And so I, I share that with uh, with your listeners is you always have to be ready to show up and, yes. and go and, and go and get the job. Right. Yes. And so I, I look back at that. It's like I could have said, hey, coach, like, you know, I got to catch a flight or, hey, I yep. can't be there tomorrow. Right. And I could have come up with all these excuses why I couldn't have been there. But I f- I made it happen. I figured it out. And, you know, just in terms of me, the uh, as a strength and conditioning coach, which is really special to me, Coach Better is the, is the top of my list in terms of mentors, people that really uh, molded me and, and sharpened me in terms of who I am today, uh, and that's a basketball coach. And and um, you know, I, I, that's where I always share that story. Is like, it it, do, it doesn't take somebody in your trade or in your skill or craft to mentor you and, and, and sharpen you. Where I'm a prime example of a basketball coach sharpening and making me better, and I'm a strength and conditioning coach. And that
0: was a pro work. I mean, I also meant to mention there, Justin Anderson was the first round pick uh, of the Dallas Mavericks uh, out, out of Virginia. So, Matt, so you're at Montrose, and we know uh, Coach Vetter runs a college, I mean, D1 style high school program down to everything. I think from the intensity of our practices and game and prep and how you carry yourself, travel, I mean, everything. But going to Montrose, did you have aspirations uh, to elevate to college at that time?
1: Yeah, I i, uh, I always wanted to, um, you know, get to that level. And, and those internships I was uh, speaking about, those were college internships. And um, so I, in a way, I started off in the college world. And um You know, so for me going to the high school level, I didn't really flinch at that. I didn't really view that as like a step down because, to your point, like after meeting Coach Vetter and just uh, speaking with him and just hearing about his program and how he ran it and everything, like I was like, man, this, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better in this environment. You know, the level of standards and the organization, the planning, the strategizing, uh, elite level. Uh, of communication and that's where I really acquired the ability to uh, communicate with uh, with courage communicate with courage and coach was was always um, inviting that and and he he didn't want any fluff right he wanted yep, the facts that's right he wanted the facts and it's like what what do we need to do to get our players better and so he gave me an unbelievable, uh, platform to operate on, which um, I then later um, carried on, and, and that takeaway I applied to my staff later in life at, at GW, where those strength and conditioning coaches that worked under me, I remember how Coach Vetter treated me and and, and allowed me to uh, be great and, and do what I do, and gave me a, a, a great platform. He didn't micromanage me. He had expectations. He had standards. He knew what he wanted. He told me what he wanted, but then he let me go out and, and go get it.
0: You know, I posed this question to George Lent, to Kevin <laughs> Sutton, uh, to Randolph Childress, uh, of what they attribute uh, this long list of of coaches coming uh, from Coach Vetter's family, and that coaching tree and i'm not going to bore listeners they can go to other episodes to hear the whole list which i i left out a ton of guys after following up with coach by the way and i'm going to i'm going to update that that list in my uh show notes um but i've heard so many of the of the same things matt george spoke to uh coach being fair he said, you know, you went to coach's house to do the landscaping and you got the one shoe and you had to come back the next day had to get the other shoe. And that was George McDonald's All-American. And that was the last guy, you know, on the on the bench as well. He treated everyone the same. I heard from Kevin. And Randolph that that responsibility that, they, that he gave them and, and gave us, and you know uh, Kevin driving the van to go pick players up for summer league games and, and summer uh, workouts, and I hear so much of the same thing coming uh, from you as well.
1: Yeah, you know I, I think that's the um, that's the, the great thing about life is is you have all these people come into your life and, and you don't realize the imprint they're making on you, right? The impact that they're having on you. And, um, you know, I remember in the summertime, you know, coach Vetter, you know, he, he let me really just run the off season development. And there were some times where I would be starting the session and we would be 20, 30 minutes into the workout and he would show up and, and he had that level of trust in me that, I could command and I could execute the workout and I could train the guys and he, and he was confident and, and trustworthy in me to execute it at a high level. And so I think putting people in those positions is, is really key, uh, for them to spread their wings and grow and adapt. And, and I always, um, you know, say this is, is leaders create leaders, yes. right? Yes. And and so you know how you how you lead others is is largely that is is giving them the trust and the respect and the pl- platform to go out and and um, like I said, be great and do what they do. And you're so right,
0: Matt. A leader's job is to not create followers, but to create other leaders.
1: Yeah, and so when Absolutely. I hear when I hear that list of all these unbelievable coaches that have worked. Um, And played for Coach. Like, you know, it's it's uh, it's no surprise. It's no mistake. You know, Um, it's how he led them. It's how he allowed them to go out, spread their wings, and 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 uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to say I didn't make any mistakes. You know, Um, and I think that those small failures are really key for uh, self growth and self improvement and stuff. And I talked about that stuff with Coach. And um, it, it just led for some really great dialogue and just um, just continued learning for me in, in my young coaching career.
0: That's what I was going to say. Isn't that what it's about? Is making those mistakes? I mean, someone giving you the freedom to make those mistakes, uh, and then how that strengthens your relationship when when that person is a true leader.
1: Yeah, you know, I just um, I, I just look back at at um, my years at Montrose, and I just absolutely cherish those. Um, you know, it, it, it taught me so many things. And, and the, and the one, the one thing is it's flat out about the people. And, um, you know, the big time is not a place. It's the state of your heart. And, um, everybody's heart was in that program and, and coach poured it out and he shared his level of love. Um, you know for his players and and um you know he was uh he was a man of high standards and and uh and he knew what he wanted and he demanded it out of you right but he still he still he coached our guys uh very hard but he uh he hugged them after and i and i think that that heart and that level of love that i think he displayed uh for our staff and and for our players is is what made us great
0: so matt you make a transition from high school, although, although an elite high school program uh, to GW in the Atlantic 10 and then from GW to Butler in the big East, uh, you know, multiple final fours. We, we know the Butler tradition from a, from your, from your coaching perspective, what were those transitions like? And I'm, I'm asking in terms of like preparation, do you, do you, do you prepare and transition differently with a different level of athlete or what, what does that look like when you're getting, when you're, when you're preparing and transitioning into those jobs?
1: Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I think transition, um, I refer to this, uh, this quote and, um, you know, you have, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. (laughs) Yes. So you, you listen twice as much as you speak. And, um, for me, that's how I have made all the transitions in my career. Um, you know, I, I've, I've done a good job of just, um, interviewing and, 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 um, not interviewing for the job. I'm talking about interviewing after I, I received the job is just asking questions to those coaches that I was, uh, there to serve. And so much of my job I feel is dependent on that is, you know, if you uh, if you can ask great questions and you can listen very well, now you understand what the coaches are looking for in terms of how they want their players to be built, and that is the job of a strength conditioning strength conditioning coach. Every coach has their system, they have their style of play, they have their X's and O's, and there's those players have to be molded and chiseled into a certain. Player to fit into that system. Um, And so um, I'd probably say I've done a great job of of doing that. And that's something that I will always carry with me and, and do because I rewind time and I look back at it. It's like that really set me off and and sent me in a great direction with all those coaches that I've been able to be fortunate enough to work with is I didn't come in guns blazing and like, you know, Hey, this is my program. This is how I do things. I'm the strength and conditioning coach. And this is what, you know, exercise science says and, and whatnot. I, I was humble enough to, um, ask questions, to listen, uh, form relationships right you have to you have to get along with people that you're tasked to work with right and so building those bonds with all those coaches and building strong bonds i think was another thing that has helped me over the years but um yeah i would i would accredit it to to just being a great listener
0: and does it help that you've got a sole focus of one sport i mean i, I know it's nothing new now but i've watched the evolution of the strength and conditioning coach Position be at the at the department level, uh, down to now very uh, and dedicated team specific.
1: Yeah, so um, you know both positions, GW and and Butler. There's a commonality there. I worked in basketball, right? I worked with men's basketball at GW. I worked. I'm working with men's basketball here at Butler. But the one difference is I was the director at GW. Um, I had Three other teams in addition to men's basketball. I was traveling, I was overseeing a budget. I was overseeing a staff of two full-time assistants, three GAs, student interns that were receiving college credit. So uh, to answer your question, you know I think it all boils down to time. The more time you have, the more you can do. and And so here at Butler, my time, day in day out is about advancing Butler basketball every single day. 40 hours a week or, you know, 50 hours a week or 60 hours a week, whatever that is. But um, I have more time. And so with that, um, you know, I'm, I'm more of a uh, integral part of the program, right? So I'm in recruit, recruiting conversations, practice planning meetings, um, you know, game preps, all those things I'm a uh, I'm a I'm a part of, and that's one thing that's really been enlightening for me is my my knowledge level for basketball has improved vastly um, in the last two years of being here at Butler, being around guys like uh, Coach Jordan and and uh, Jeff Meyer um, and, 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 and all the other assistant coaches. They're all just high 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 level people. And just being a fly on the wall, and, and um, I love just, just jumping into those, um, you know, staff meetings when they're breaking down film and and watching things, because when I evaluate the game and I hear them evaluating, right, uh, somebody's skill, what I start doing is I start thinking about, huh, here's some exercises that I could do to help mm-hmm. with that, right? Um, so that's I'd probably say that the the one uh, light bulb moment or great moment that's occurred for me here at Butler that I wasn't really getting a lot of at GW is more time with the coaches to 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 learn about the game.
0: I'm very curious what your participation and involvement in the recruiting and evaluation process look like because I go back to you know, representing professional athletes and. And Scout saying, you know, look, we're not we're not out evaluating if so and so is an NBA prospect. I mean, we all know that. He's on the list of top thirty players, but we're looking at how does he fit to our organization? And that's where, you know, you may have a different grade with with a player. How how does that look from from, from your lens, um, when you look at, at recruits and recruiting?
1: Yeah, so um, you know, first first and foremost, I, I think um you know, you, uh, you need the best players, you know, and, and, talent, and talent wins. And so the recruiting process is really important. That's something I take a lot of pride in and, and doing my part. And so obviously it, it, it takes a collective effort. It takes a staff to, uh, you know, find an athlete that's the right fit and um, is, you know, can fall into the culture and the system. Of, uh, of, 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 uh, of the team. But, um, you know, it, it's funny for me, it's, it's, uh, I kind of feel like uh, a celebrity with these kids, because uh, they, they all want to meet the strength coach. And that's been really, um, you know, wow. I probably, I would probably see that, uh, say that's, that's uh, an evolving thing, where that's more and more, because I think the, the role of a strength conditioning coach has been highlighted more. Right. You know, these 30 for 30s and, you know, even all these professional athletes posting their workouts and stuff they're doing with their strength and conditioning coach. And so I think, um, you know, today's athletes, right, these prospects are seeing that and they they understand that, you know, they need to develop their body. They need to develop their athleticism. I think first and foremost, they have to be healthy. Well, who's responsible for that? You know, that's largely the strength and conditioning coach. So when a lot of these athletes come on campus, like they, they want to, um, you know, physically sit down. Um, I sit down with them and I give them a whole PowerPoint presentation in terms of, Hey, this is what I can do for you. This is what your four years of long-term athletic development is going to look like. This is what we're going to do year one, two, three, four. Um, here's the results that if you commit and put in the work, this is what you're going to experience. And basically, just getting the kids excited about what I can do for them, and um, you know, so it's uh, the recruiting, the cr- recruiting aspect. I think is becoming more and more important for um, strength and conditioning coaches to uh, just serve on a staff and and um, you know, be a part of the, the overall success of a team. And Matt,
0: do you ever see situa- or have situations where you know, as a as a coach, I like a prospect and look at him and say, Hmm, you know, I would love to see him gain 10 to 15 pounds over the next two to three years. But you may look at him and say, you know what, his body is not capable of doing that. And then how do we assess from there? Do you ever find yourself in those types of, 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 of conversations?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think those conversations are really important. The initial evaluation, um, and and setting goals and and with those goals a, a bold and highlighted obtainable <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, improvement is always the case, right? You know, getting better is always a possibility. Getting better is always the goal. Like I'm a ver- very very results oriented person, um, but the 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 conversations that um, are, are, are necessary to have are the, are the realistic conversations like, Hey, if this athlete works hard every single session, eats right, sleeps well, right. Trains with a high level intent, trust the program. Right. And, and so like, we kind of talked about that early in our, in our conversation here, where, uh, sometimes you have to sell them and they're very skeptical, Right. And so that, that skepticism might reside for six months. Well, that's wasted time. Right. Um, so just highlighting all those things, presenting all those things into the conversation, I think is, is, um, one thing I do very well. Um, and, and I think are, are very necessary for overall success. I mean, at the end of the day here, we're all professionals. We're all adults right we can we can have those high level conversations and i use that you know communicate with courage we need to do that right and and uh you know the the i invite that from the from the the coaching staff and the coaching staff invites that from me and i think that's what uh it is 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 needed to really really impact an athlete
0: and what i hear from that is from the prospect evaluation process to me it sounds like it's really getting down to what i think matters the most is the character of that prospect because you 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 took my scenario of hey can he gain 10 and carry 10 to 15 more pounds way beyond that it's it's can't is this person going to buy into the system and the program and dedicate themselves and do these things every day? And that's where you get into, okay, now we've got to look at the character of that prospect.
1: Yeah. The, 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 the character is, is, is very important. Um, and, and the reality of things, Odell is, um, I, if, if they're, if they're with me an hour, okay. And the body is very unique and, and we are born adapters, right? And that's this, that's what we do. We, ad, we adapt to our environment. So a, a one hour session in the weight room, what I'm doing is I'm causing adaptation, right? To occur. I'm, 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 I'm basically jump-starting that. Well, the other 23 hours of the day absorbs that adaptation, right? And so in those 23 hours, the two very important things is how you fuel, how you eat, what are you putting on your plate, right? Are you um, you know putting a consistent amount of calories into your system in those four hour windows of time, and how are you sleeping consistently and so it, it's it's really eye opening when you when you view it like that it's like it's really dependent on those other twenty three hours that they're not with me. You know how impactful that one hour workout is going to be overall, long term.
0: And isn't that where you have such a critical relationship with players? I mean, you you get to spend the most time with them based on the whole NCAA uh, parameters of time. And and my and my guess is they can look at you the next day after a game and it's not like, well, you know, I only got five minutes of playing time, so I'm not going to listen to him today or that, you know, that kind of attitude. I mean, I, I, it's just such a, but my, my, my perception is you, you play such an invaluable, anyone in your role plays such an invaluable uh, role or relationship with players in the program.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I always say this with uh, anybody I've ever trained, any player um, I always keep it real with them. Right. And I, I think athletes and, you know, they can they can uh, they can spot a fake. Right. Yes. And and, um, you know, so I think they respect someone that's just being real with them. Right. Yes. And um, I always express this is I am not responsible for your playing time. So if our relationship is going to be dictated on your playing time, then you're missing the whole deeper meaning behind what I do. And, and what I do is, is twofold, growing you as an athlete and through that process of growing you as an athlete, making you a better man, making you a better person. And I think that's the great thing about the weight room is you learn so many life lessons, uh, mm-hmm. discipline, accountability, consistency, failure, right? 225 pounds is 225 pounds. You might try to lift it up, but you're not strong enough that day, and you fail. But then you keep at it, and you, and you maintain that level of consistency, and then one day you lift that 225 pounds. Great life takeaway there, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, for, for me, I always, uh, you know, I, I would, to any coaches, basketball coaches listening, um, I would say this. If you want to get a pulse on your team, have the have the strength and conditioning coach on speed dial, <laughs> yeah. and and constantly communicate and 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 speak with them because all those conversations that the strength and conditioning coach is having before a workout, after a workout, you know, just standing by the squat rack in between those sets and reps, right? Those rest periods, right? Just the the natural or organic flow of a workout, all those little conversations that are being had on the road. Right. When you're just, you know, stretching a guy, you know, night before a game and and whatnot. Like um, we are uh around it all, right? We're in the locker room, stocking the fueling station and and and, you know, setting all the snacks up for the players. We're always around the players. And I, I would say, and I'm not being biased here, uh, we're around the players the most. And and that's just that's just like I said, just me being real. And and um I I take a lot of pride. In understanding that, and like I said, I I've acquired that understanding over the years. Is um, after a tough loss, you will not see me pout. You will not see me sad. Um, I'm going to show up the next day, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna just radiate positivity. I'm gonna dap guys up. I'm gonna go around. I'm gonna ask how they're doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna love. I'm gonna care. I'm gonna nurture them. I'm gonna be there for them because one thing I've learned is. Uh, players take losing very difficult and coaches take losing very difficult. So there needs to be somebody in that team organization, the, the, the night or the, the, the day after a tough law loss to lift the group up and to, sh- and to, to just get that positivity going, get that energy going. Right. And just the, the, you know, just create great vibes in the gym.
0: So your your boss, Ralph Reef, who is the Senior Associate Athletic Director of Student Athlete Health, Performance, and Well-Being, uh, is one of my favorite people, Matt, uh, in and outside of sports. And Ralph uh, was at – I met Ralph when he was at St. Vincent Sports Performance there in Indianapolis, and he uh, trained my very first NBA client, and uh, I sent other clients there as well. Ralph was so instrumental in the start – of my business when I was on the player side. And with someone like Ralph in a role like that, uh, which I I think is still unique, but is emerging um, in athletic departments, what does the organization look like at Butler and the influence look like within the department?
1: Yeah, so Ralph is a uh unbelievable resource. Uh just have has n- years upon years of knowledge and experience and um quite frankly in the short amount of time I've I think this this summer will be one year of me working with Ralph. I've just learned so much. Um and uh, so 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 Ralph's responsibility is he oversees um all of us strength and conditioning coaches. Uh, so the performance side of things. He oversees sports medicine, so all those athletic trainers that work with the other sports at Butler, and then he works um, just in terms of overall wellness. Um, and so he works, uh, you know, with the counseling center on, on campus and things like that. So, um, you know, Ralph's uh, job I would probably say is just like a large umbrella, and 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 there's a lot of areas that you know fall under his responsibility. He does a great job of multitasking and, and sharing his impact, um, you know, with men's basketball, but all the other sport coaches and all the other sports. And so he's, he's an unbelievable, very passionate about Butler. Um, you know, so So he's on his his second stint there, right? yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So he, he loves Butler. And, um, you know, that's one thing that I've just learned a lot about just Butler history from Ralph. And, and that's one thing that I've Acquired is just the fraternity, right? And just you know how close knit and just how much of a family Butler is, and and Ralph has really helped me just in terms of you know my knowledge for the performance side of things, just but also me understanding that so much a Butler and being a Butler Bulldog is about that family aspect.
0: So Matt, I know. You don't and none of us have a crystal ball, uh, but what do you see your program and sports in general looking like and the challenges looking like when we all come back together
1: yeah you know i um I, i've I've tried to you know put some thought behind this and and i and I'm feeling more and more confident with the plan uh when we we do see our athletes again, and and unfortunately, that's a question mark. We don't know when that's going to be, but um, I think the 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 one word uh, that stands out to me is progression. And you know, we need to do a great job of communicating all these people, all these stakeholders. I call them right in the program, uh, sports medicine people like Ralph, uh, myself. Coach Jordan, you know, um, all, our nutritionists, right? All these people utilizing their expertise and their skills to progress our players back to participation safely, right? And so what I mean by that is we need to realize that, you know, the insanity approach of just going right back into, you know, just two a days and, you know, just really just getting after it and stuff is, is not the wise thing to do. Uh, the, 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 the wise thing to do is, you know, um, take a progressive approach and build, um, you know, volume and intensity of work, maybe five, 10% every week. And then if you look at over the course of, of five weeks, six weeks, you've increased your volume of work and your intensity of work by 50 to 60%. And so now that, uh, allows the athlete to and we spoke about this before, absorb the stimulus or the stress of on-court activity, right? All those skill workouts and all those practices and things like that, but all the stress of uh, academics, social mm-hmm. stresses, right? Um, the stress, the, the physiological stress of the weight room that I'm placing on their body, right? So I, I, I think the, the highlighted term that I would like to share with everybody is progression.
0: Well, I think that's a great way to end there. And we're all going to get through this. And I know we're all going to be excited. And that's a a great uh, focus, one word focus for all of us to have uh, for our future. So Matt, this has been great. Uh, I know you've got uh, a website and some things. Let me ask you, where can listeners learn more about you and follow and connect with you?
1: Yeah, so I have a a website that I'm uh, very guilty of not updating. I have to get better with that. Um, I'm not too prideful to admit that, but it's uh, strengthcoachconcepts.com. And I have a lot of uh, old articles and blogs and things like that that I've written over the years. And um, I'm on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle. It's at strengthcoachmj. And, um, you know, I I, I love using those as a platform to, um, you know, reach out and and just connect with people.
0: And I will have links to all of those in the show notes. Matt, this has been great. Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy. And thank you for being a guest on Beyond the Whistle. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Whistle. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It's the best way to stay updated on the newest episodes. Beyond the Whistle is a production of McCant Sports, a sports executive search and talent solutions firm. To learn more about McCant Sports, visit McCantsports.com